It's good to be back, and I appreciate those who filled in in my absence over the past couple of weeks. Bray, great job. Joshua, great job. JR, thanks for helping out. We appreciate you guys and jumping in there and teaching, and that's what keeps us going. You know, it's important as men that we hold one another accountable, that we teach the truth, the Word of God, as though the, it is the Word of God, because it is the Word of God. And so as we live our lives that way, as we prepare our hearts for God and for one another, um, let's go to him in prayer this morning. Dear Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that we are here. I thank you that you have uh, brought these men together for your plan, for your purpose, for your kingdom to come to this earth, Lord. And I pray that we would see how that happens in us and through us. Father, give us principles to live by, uh, Lord, truth to live by in a world that, that is looking for truth and claiming truth and other things other than you. Father, help us to turn people to their true north, and that is you, Lord. Father, we, uh, we are grateful this morning. We come with grateful hearts, and Lord, uh, open our eyes to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, I'm going to be jumping in and talking about a, a simple law, and this law, if you'll apply it to your life, it'll make the difference in your future. What we talk about today will make your tomorrows much better. What we talk about today will give you a destination. If you'll learn how to sow good seed in your life, what you'll find is that good seed will grow and it will return 30, 60, and 100 fold. So, so uh, stay with me here. This is the law of return. And I've talked and spoken about the law of return. It's been since 2015 since I've spoken about the law of return, but uh, this is a great principle if we will apply it. Genesis 8.22, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. So seed time and harvest is always going to be a part of what God does and instructs in our lives. Galatians 6.7 says a man's harvest in life depends upon what he sows. Galatians 6, 7 in the ESV, that was the Phillips, and the ESV translation says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that also shall he reap. So a man's harvest in life depends upon what he sows. As long as the earth remains, the principle of seed time and harvest will always be in effect. You can't change it. You will reap what you sow. You can't repent out of it. You can't pray out of it. You will get what you sow. God is not mocked. This is an immutable law of God. So at the same time, we can leverage this principle to our advantage. We can take advantage of this principle because God put it out there for our good. And, and we know that if we sow bad seed, poor seed, well, this, the problem with that is, is it grows as well. And sometimes it returns 30, 60, 100 fold, right? And that's no fun. If you don't like the harvest you're getting in life, then listen, change the seed you're sowing. Change the seed you're sowing. Uh, John Maxwell he said, the greatest day in your life and mine is when we take total responsibility for our attitudes. That's the way we grow up. So our heart attitude about life, about God, family, work, and sowing into these things will greatly impact the harvest that we have in life. In other words, if you have a heart attitude of joy and rejoicing, guess what? That's going to come back to you 30, 60, 100 fold. If you're just an old crabby man, uh, your, your family's probably going to become crabby around you. You know what I'm talking about? 30, 60, 100 fold. If we can, if we can go home and sow peace in our families, then, then peace is what usually comes back in return, even if you have a household of women or young girls. Right? So hard attitude determines my success in sowing. There's no doubt in that. See, Cain didn't understand this. This is the first 
record that we have in Scripture about sowing and offering is really Cain and Abel. And that's found in Genesis chapter 4. You're welcome to go there with me in your Bibles. I'm going to be there for just a moment. Genesis 4, and I'm going to start there with verse 5. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Now, if you remember, Cain was the farmer and Abel was the rancher. And so they brought their... They brought their offerings to the Lord. God accepted one and he rejected the other. He rejected Cain's. As a matter of fact, here it says he had no regard for Cain's offering. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, in talking about Cain and Abel, just know this. God gave him a warning. God loved Cain so much that God spoke to him directly. And he said, hey, sin is crouching at your, at your door, and its desire is for you, and you must overcome it. You must learn what I'm looking for. You must sow a different kind of seed, the seed of anger. If you continue to listen to this sin in your life, then, then you're going to reap the reward of it. Some of us have, have definitely reaped the reward of, of sin and anger, right? I mean, we're men. I mean, men uh, tend to be a little more explosive than women. Um, maybe, maybe not. I know some of your wives, but, but for the most part, right, men can, can jump out there and become angry. We can be impulsive. We can be explosive when we're impulsive. And what happens is we can actually sow a seed that we didn't intend to sow and that can fester and that can grow and that can multiply. And a house that's supposed to be full of peace, no doubt can become a house full of yelling, screaming, and anger. You know, when you walk in our house, if you've been in our home, the very first sign you'll see is, uh, is one that my wife put up. And it says this, don't yell unless there's a fire. And even then, be careful because you still might get a swat. You know what I'm saying? It depends on where the fire's at. So here, here's Cain and Abel, and, and, and basically God accepted Abel's offering, but he didn't accept Cain's offering. And yet God still speaks to Cain, and he says, hey, I'm not done with you. I'm not, it's not finished. It's not over with you. Cain, this is what you need to do. You need to check your heart. You need to see why you brought what you brought. There's something, there, there's something here, Cain, and, and I want you to see it. But if you continue to listen to sin, it's crouching at your door, and its desire is to overtake you. That word desire, like I say, is found only a couple times in Scripture. And that word desire, uh, uh, it actually means uh, it, to stretch over, to completely overtake you. So, um, Strong's, I want to talk about this do well, if you do well for just a minute. In the Strong's... Um, it means to be good, to be pleasing, to be glad. It, it means specifically this, to be glad in your sowing. So in what you just brought in your, as you're offering to God, you should be glad in that. Now, sometimes our sowing is more of a burden than it is to sow out of gladness. And you may say, what does that mean? Well, it's easy. When you bring your tithes forward on Sunday morning, you go, golly, I bought that new car and I got that car payment. How in the world am I going to keep a tithe at that? You ever been at it? So it becomes what? More of a burden. 
Or sometimes we, we simply say, I just don't have the funds. I don't have the finances. There's too much month at the end of the money. There's all these problems, right? And, and so, so what happens is we don't come with a joyful heart. It becomes more of a burden. Well, it's something I have to do because it's the right thing to do. The Apostle Paul even, even talks about that a little bit. See, we're supposed to give from a joyful place, from a good place in our heart. And so, so basically, I, uh, what, what God's saying here is, hey, look, if you do well, if you'll, if you'll give out of the gladness of sowing, it's a joy to give because we know that, that God is the one who ultimately gives the return, right? And so it means to give your best. It's derived from a word of milab, M-E-L-A-B, and that means meaning best. So you do well with a good heart. You do your best with a good heart. You bring your best to God. Give, sow your best, Cain, and it will go good for you. But it didn't go good for Cain. Abel's offering was pleasing and Cain's wasn't. Sin's desire won the day in verse 7. The word desire, like I said, is used a couple other places in Scripture. Uh, in the Song of Solomon, it, saw, it, it signifies strong emotion. He entertained anger. He entertained this anger too long, and it became bitterness. And he made someone else responsible for his anger and his hurt by deflecting his inadequacies, his lack on his brother. And it was another case of deflection and, transfer, and transference, making someone else responsible for their lack. He failed to master sin by mastering his emotions. If we're not careful, our emotions will cause us to sow seed that we had never intended to sow. And you've got to keep your emotions, emotions in a check, in check. Uh, men, sometimes that's hard to do. It's hard to do. But when we come with a glad, a pleasing heart, guess what? God accepts that, and he gives us a return 30, 60, and 100-fold. He failed to master sin by mastering his emotions. Sin takes advantage of, of our human frailties, our emotions, and weaknesses. Bottom line is a sower needs to sow out of the right heart attitude because your heart attitude determines my success in sowing. In Luke 6.38, Jesus is talking about giving here. And he says, give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. With the measure you use, according to how you give to life, according to how you sow to life, that's how life comes back to you. With the measure you use. I, I love the fact that, that Jesus puts this part in our hands. He says, hey, not with the measure that I expect from you, it's, it's the measure with what you use. In some ways, it's the measure that we expect from him. How big is your God? What, what can he give you in, in return? You ever been in a pinch and said, God, the only way out is you? <laughs> Maybe you hadn't been there yet. Live long enough, you'll get there. So, so here's the thing, right? With every, whatever measure you use, you are the sower, you sow for your life. How you sow is how it comes back to you. Before I look at others, perhaps I should look at me. Maybe you should look in the mirror. Maybe before looking out the window, we should begin to look in the mirror and say, God, show me how to sow and show me how to sow with a glad heart. Sowing with a glad heart makes all the difference. Cain made the mistake of looking at others, blaming others for his lot in life. But it was his sowing that got him in trouble. And because of how he sowed, trouble came running back into his life. You know, Cain... He tried to hold someone else responsible for his emotions and for his feelings. How many times do we do that? And what happens when we do that is it steals the joy from our heart. And then we're doing things more out of obligation instead of out of joy. That's just how life works, man. I catch myself doing it uh, a, a lot of times. 
um, Allison asked me Sunday, she said, how did you not carry that stuff home with you after church? And I said, you know, I, 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 I get what they're saying. I heard what they said. I, I, I feel for them. My heart goes out to them. But their emotions do not run my day. They can't, right? Because that's, that's, that's not who we are. Who we are is who God called us to be. And my God is good. My God is kind. My God is gracious. My God is full of mercy. And if I'll reflect on him, if I'll magnify him, you know, in the two weeks that I was off here, uh, I read the book of Job and the book of Psalms. Now, you want to talk about two contrasting books? There, there's a couple of them, Right? But one thing that is similar is that when Job finds himself in a pinch and he has nowhere out, you know what he begins to do? He begins to magnify God. And it's the same thing with David. King David, when he finds, he, I mean, David's ugly to his enemies. You ever look at how David prays for his enemies? Lord, I pray you might smite them, that you might rip their mouths out. I mean, just, just crazy stuff because they speak against me. And when they speak against me, they speak against you. And so I want you, but then... He'll stop right in the middle of that psalm and he'll start praising God. Oh, my God, you are so magnificent. You created the mountains to the highest sky. You've, you know, and all these things. And it's, it's incredible to, to watch both of these men and how, how eventually what they're doing is they're reminding themselves of the goodness and the greatness of God. And he is magnified in their lives so that they can come and give out of gladness, so that their heart becomes a heart full of joy, Right? And so it's not based upon emotion, it's based upon, hey, this is the truth about God. Sometimes we just got to remind ourselves the truth about God. Remember, I called this the law of return. I didn't call this the probability of return. I called this the law of return, that this is, this is a, not just a principle, this is a law that God has instituted that as we sow good things, we should expect to receive good things. So let's keep looking. Luke 6, 38, given it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So there are three attitudes that must be embraced about bringing the maximum harvest. And here it is. The first one is the gladful heart, the cheerful heart, right? 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Here's the Apostle Paul. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So sometimes we have to say, well, who does God love? Well, God loves everyone. Okay, God does love everyone. But here, Paul says something very specific. The Apostle Paul says, but God loves a cheerful giver. Someone who has a, has a heart that just wants to give. See, he really loves a cheerful giver. Hey, God doesn't play favorites. And yet at the same time, I think there's some favorite attributes about people that God does see and recognize. And one of them is cheerfulness, a glad heart, that type of thing. Because right in the beginning with Cain and Abel, there was something different between those two brothers. And one of them was how they brought their offering, right? One brought their, their best, their good. They were glad to, to give it to God because they understood the principle of God of, of that returning upon them. God's favor returning upon them. You know, uh, I don't have this in, in, in up here, but you know, in Chronicles it says, The eyes of the Lord go to and fro. Searching what? For those hearts who are fully devoted to him. So uh, some of the scriptures, some of the translations say it this way. They rest upon those whose hearts are fully devoted to him. That, that, that amazes me because that tells me, yeah, God does love everyone. 
but, but those who, who really are seeking out his magnitude in their own lives, that his, his, his eyes do stop and rest. It, it may not change the circumstance, like I've said many times, but it can change your perspective in that circumstance. So, some give out of guilt, some give out of duty, some give out of obligation, some give out of tradition, and they don't expect much, right? But uh, it, it's amazing to me that Paul says, hey, here's how you give. Just be a cheerful giver. Give to life. I'm not just talking finances here, men. I'm talking about give to life. Understand that life is a gift to you. You didn't create yourself. We run around and say, this is my life. It's really not our lives. I've said this many times, the probability of you being you, there's no statistician out there that can figure that. Because, I mean, and, and, and I've said this many times, you know, you, that may have been the only race you've ever won was that one in your life. But you won some way, right? And, and, and so out of that and, and, and out, of that, out of the way God has it designed, Look, we, we need to understand that life is a gift and we need to give back to life because of that. The second thing I would say is, is instead of adding, learn to multiply. Learn what multiplication is because our God is not a God of addition. He's a God of multiplication. Because in multiplication, there's miraculous numbers that, that just can't be figured. Addition, a lot of times we can figure that one out. But when multiplication starts happening, it happens at such a drastic rate. You know, I was walking up on, uh, I, was, I took the kids on a hike up to a place called Treasure Falls. We're going up there, and my son, out of nowhere, he says, Dad, did you know that um, the gravitational constant is pi cubed? Now, I don't know who thinks that as you're going up. That was not on my mind. I was watching a waterfall and feeling the mist and expressing myself, and my, love, and my son comes up with this crazy thing. And, and I said, that's not true because the gravi gravitational constant is, what is it, nine point, it's nine point, what is it? How did I forget? Yeah, 9.6 meters per second squared. Well, so, uh, and pi is 3.14 and if you cube that, you're, you're not going to land right there on the gravitational constant. So I said, you're wrong, son. This is a good try, right? But let's pay attention to the waterfall. <laughs> but but what, what causes a person, the, the cool thing about multiplication is when you get to multiplication, it did make me think because for a minute I thought, he's right. Where, golly, God is such a God of numbers. God is such a God. But he... We don't really see his numbers, you know, when he talks about believers and in, uh, when he talks about the remnant in, the old, in, in Revelation and he's talking about uh, we're as numerous as the sand on the seashore. In order to have that kind of number, that doesn't happen through addition. That happens through multiplication. See, 2 Corinthians 9.10, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Notice here, the Apostle Paul says he multiplies your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So, pastor, how's multiplication and attitude? Most people focus on addition, trying to add to their own li lives. And what happens there is we become self-focused. People will reach out and grab what they can in life to preserve themselves. But with multiplication, look, people don't grasp. They open their hands. They are open-handed. 
and you can, uh, there are plenty of examples. I'll give you a couple of examples. When Jesus feeds the, the 5,000, you remember the bread and the fish, and the little boy comes running up and says, hey, I've got three loaves of bread and a couple of fish. What am I going to do with this? And Jesus said, well, shoot, you got something. How about you disciples, y'all take that and, and go to feeding. And what happened? It multiplied where? In their hands. Because God's a God of multiplication. He wants to increase the harvest. But as long as they were giving, God continued to supply the seed. And this is, this is a, a huge thing, men. We are brought up to, to be selfish. We're, we're brought up to, to, to think it's all about me. We've all got to, you know, by the time we're 60, 65, we better have enough money set aside to retire. We better have our house paid for. We better have our vehicles paid for. Um, we're going to, you know, we're going to go into our golden years having everything set because it's all about me. My, you know, we're going to walk into the heavenlies with our, our Nike Airs on. I don't even know what the cool shoe is today. What is, that was what it was back in my day. I don't know what it is today. What? Merrill's? <laughs> That's a hiking shoe, right? Uh, so I don't know. But, but, but here's, here's the truth. What, what God is looking at is, is hey, you, you better not ever forget about what it means to be a giver. Because the greatest among you will be the servant of all, which simply means he'll be the one that, that wants to give. He'll be the one that, that wants to continue to multiply. And here's the cool thing about giving of the Lord. God continues to sow the seed. He continues to give the seed to the sower. He continues to say, hey, the more you throw out, the more you're going to receive, the more I'm going to bring to you in order for you to continue to throw out. Yesterday I was at Walmart, or last night I was at Walmart, and I was there by myself picking up a handful of things. And there were about five uh, boys that, that came running up to me, and they said, Sir, sir, can we talk to you for a minute? And I said, Yeah, I thought there was an accident or something. I was pushing a basket around. They saw an old safe man running around Walmart who wasn't in sandals. And so, and, 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 and they said, uh, I said, What is it? And, and this one boy, he said, Well, I just want to know if I could share Jesus with you. <laughs> and I said, uh, Sure, take off. And so he starts sharing Jesus with me, and his other friends are kind of kicking in a little information as he goes along. And, and uh, he tells me, he says, and our God is a miraculous goddess. Well, tell me one of the miracles he's done in your life. And that boy sat there for a minute. He said, well, I'm just 13, but I, I prayed for my parents because it looked like they were going to get a divorce, and it looked like they were, you know, and I started praying for them, and now they love each other very much. And I said, hey, man, that's awesome. I said, maybe you need to pray for me. Well, we'll be glad to pray for you, sir. We really will. And then they realized I had a Harvest Christian Fellowship shirt on. And one of them said, do you go to church? And I said, I actually do go to church. I do, when I can. <laughs> I didn't tell them I was a pastor, and I let them go ahead and, and witness, right, and go through the thing. But, you know, as long as they're out there sowing, right, God is going to supply them. He's going to multiply through those boys. It's pretty incredible. I thought, man, here are 13-year-old boys running around Walmart sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we can't share it with our neighbor because we're concerned about it, 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 we may be tied up with them or something like that. You know, it, it, it may cause, you know, people, with people come responsibility, no doubt, and people are messy, and so sometimes we don't want to get in the mess. These boys didn't care about the mess. They don't know about the mess yet. So they just jump in there and say, hey, you need Jesus. 
I want you to have what I've got. And so it's pretty cool. This is how God works, right? He's a God of multiplication. As long as they're out there sowing, he's going to keep supplying. He's going to keep pouring it in them. It's a supernatural principle. Jesus demonstrated this with the fish and loaves, the feeding of the 5,000, again with the feeding of the 4,000. There's, there's the parable of the sower where you see the multiplication vision, the 30, 60, and 100 fold, right? The way we do church is a multiplication model. We empower you to do the works, multiply the vision, the teams. Uh, the, the main reason why, you know, 90% of churches in the United States today never get over 100 people. You know why? Because there's one shepherd. That's the pastor. When we pay the pastor, we supply the pastor, right, to do what? The ministry. But if you read the scripture, what is the pastor supposed to do? Equip the saints for service. And matter of fact, there's a five-fold ministry there to, there to equip the saints for service because God is a God of what? Multiplication. Multiplication. This is why we do classes. This is why we teach around here a lot because we know that we are to equip the saints for service. The third thing I'd say that's very important and the final thing is faith. Look, Cain didn't bring his first and best. He brought his overage, his leftovers. And, and what happens when we do that is, is there is no faith involved. And, and if there's no faith without faith, Hebrews says what? It is impossible to please God. So without faith, it's impossible to please, please God. Giving God your first and your best, best requires an act of faith. Hebrews eleven six. 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards that, that he continues to give to, right, those who seek him. When my heart carries an attitude of faith, when I'm walking there, drawing near to God, the doors of heavens, they open for me. Faith acts like a debit card at the gas pump, right? You slide the card, then comes the flow. No card, no flow. No gas, no go, right? Sweeping the card of faith releases the rewards of grace. God is able to make grace abound and flow into my life. If you want to see a maximum harvest in your life, then you need to understand that from the heart you must embrace an attitude of cheerfulness, multiplication, and faith. That's what will determine your reward. So remember this, that the law of return is simply a law that God instituted. And it, and it works on these principles. It works on faith. If you have no return in your life right now, you might ought to check the seed you're sowing. What does it look like? And if you have a great return in your life right now, just keep giving, keep giving, keep giving. Keep giving Jesus. Keep offering Jesus. Watch God multiply in your life. That's, that's a, a, a wonderful way to walk. And it's a wonderful law that God has given us according to his word. So there are some questions there in front of you, men. Um, you're welcome to ask one another those questions. Talk about what you need to pray for one another. Jesus, I thank you, Father, for the law of return. Father, I just pray that, uh, Lord, as we go through these questions, that you might reveal to us, God, um, how your kingdom works. That, Lord, the currency that moves you is the currency of faith. And so, Father, may we be faithful men in Jesus' name. Amen.